Hey, this is Raymond Benson, and you're listening to On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, brought to you by our fine Patreon sponsors and White Rocket Entertainment. I am your host for this program, Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, aka Death Probe. And joining me as veteran Bondophile co-host is my brother Jason the Weasel Skull Albrecht. Welcome back to the show, Jason. And I'm gonna need to know what the most bond-like thing you've done since last recording is. Well, I am on the seat of my seat to tell you. <laughs> Bring it back jokes from the Golden Eye episode. <laughs> from the Golden Eye episode, right? <laughs> jokes from the Golden Eye age. Ah, <laughs> oh, the most Bondian thing that I've done was I was living like a bachelor for two weeks while my wife Julie Jansen was away. So I, uh, you know, I dusted off those uh, bachelor lifestyle skills, and uh, I had nothing. So I <laughs> pretty much ate box macaroni and cheese and watched <laughs> Dodgers baseball. <laughs> you were more like Bond when they found him in uh, Skyfall, you know, just like just drinking and laying around in bed all day. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, me, me and Gary Money Penny were hanging out. You know? <laughs> That's that sounds nice. What about you? What kind of body and things have you been doing? If you remember the scene in The Man with the Golden Gun where Bond is driving and Sheriff J.W. Pepper's just kind of like flying all around the interior of that car. I do. I yes. Do. So when I picked up Pat from the airport to take him to Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> Are we doing that again? Yeah, yeah. We're doing that same bit. He said, uh, you're not gonna. And I was like, I sure am, boy. <laughs> 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 so i did reprise that from last year and aside from that the only bond like thing i did that's kind of tangential really is i investigated this private billionaire who was launching satellites into space and then i snuck on the satellite and then i destroyed his operation so it's tangentially related was it uh jeff bezos or was it uh, uh i was gonna name drax Oh, okay. Gotcha. gotcha. I'm actually, I'm no, nah, I didn't do that. That's that wasn't an actual movie. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> Space Force. I'm <laughs> just making things I, up. I, I, I saw. I was like, wait a minute. How wasn't this movie? Like, 
I believe the car stunt we did is more factual than yeah. your, your, your right. space story. Yeah, I'm okay. You don't, you don't, Jared, all you do is to work on the guidance system. <laughs> <laughs> Enough about me. Let's talk about the show for a minute. Then I'm going to introduce my other co-hosts coming in poking holes in my story. I was a perfectly good lie. People were believing it. <sighs> anyway. Sometimes, Jared, your lies aren't good enough. Okay. All right. Then this. All right. No more lies. Okay. So I'm down south of the border. I'm trying to stop a drug dealer, right? He's got cocaine hidden in gasoline. Well, to be fair, he did throw your friend to the sharks. Exactly. <laughs> so, there. That actually happened. Not Bless that. your heart for trying to stop that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before this goes too far, this is the 19th. Guys, 19. We're on the cusp of 20. Almost there. I can't believe it. Another 19. Believe it, man. This is episode 19 of our ongoing series on this channel called MI6 Rookie Agents. Welcome to the show, everybody. And on Rookie Agents, Jason and I are taking two of our friends that you heard in the background there who are not familiar with the 007 universe through the entire James Bond series of films. And man, has gone by fast, but we're doing it one movie at a time. And we get their newcomer's point of view on the film series that Jason and I love so much here on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. So let's welcome our rookie agents to the show. First up, we will say hello to Delvin, Silverhands, Pop Pop Hiss, Hot Thing, Felix Slider, Dark Web. That that intro alone is starting to take up (laughs) a decent amount of podcast time. Jared, we might have to shorten that. All right. Or the other. Well, huh. welcome back, Silverhands. What you got for us this time around? You got a well, Felix Slider update or you got something Bondy and you've been doing or maybe a little both? Yeah, I, I can give you a little both. Let's start with my Bond-like thing. The missus and I went to uh, France. We were just outside of Paris in a lovely chateau. If it were anything like Bond, we were involved in a heat trap because we went over there during the hottest summer that Paris and that area had in like 16 years. So it was over 100 degrees. And the only thing that we had to cool us was an oscillating fan. No, no, thank you. Boy, I wouldn't know what that feels like. (laughs) No, no, I'm sure you couldn't relate to that at all. So I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, it was brutal. And anyone who had to go through that has my sympathies, but I don't know anyone else other than my wife and me. Did you have to purchase said oscillating fan on your own or was it provided? It sounds like you're mentioning a story that I probably <laughs> forgot about because it just happened forever. No, no, just asking, just asking. No, I, for I, a I, I, I didn't. It came with the house. Oh, it came with the house. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. All yeah. right. All right. All right. Enough, enough. Mm, yeah. Right, before you do your Felix Lair update, I do have a question. Were you able to see the Eiffel Tower? Uh, yeah, we were right by the base. We did not do the whole tour because we didn't have time, but we walked by the base of the Eiffel Tower. We got to walk on the Champs-Élysées. They did not jump off the Eiffel Tower. Uh, I did not. I, I, I'm not qu- as quite as aerodynamic as Grace Jones. So it, it would not have worked as well. Well, that's pretty dang Bondian, though, man. You went to Paris. You were where Roger Moore was circa 1985-ish. That's pretty cool, man. That is cool. Nice. And I'll give a very quick Felix Leiter update. In this case, Agatha, she's back. She is back, folks. Mm-hmm. Agatha Silverhands is back. And uh, she has teamed up with some Somali pirates, performing some heinous acts off the coast of the United States. And, and Felix Leiter uh, is sent in to investigate. So the next big Felix Leiter movie is going to be called Silver Eye. 
A Y E. Yeah. Yeah, silver eye. They're pirates. Aye, aye, Captain. We all know you're inserting crickets into that spot, right? (laughs) 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 Oh, my goodness. Pat. Yes. Pat Sampson, a.k.a. DJ Cristados. Welcome back to the show. What's the most James Bond-like thing you've done since last recording? Let's see. The last James Bondiest thing I did since we recorded was I was able to do some camping with my family mm-hmm. every like three days. Uh, and then in order to do that, we had to get some camping gear. And we went to the Costco and we were getting some food. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take some time off and I'm going to join myself. So I asked, you know, hey, you know, let's pick up some if they had any champagne or even some sour cream chips. Mm-hmm. Goes good with caviar. Yeah. So sour cream chips. I like I kept telling everybody every day, you know, I said there, there's no point to living if you can't feel alive. <laughs> Uh, that was feeling alive right there. Mm. I was like, hey, I think I'm in the spot where they might be filming a movie because I saw a bunch of pirates walking around. Oh, yeah. Don't no. encourage him. Do not encourage him, Pat. <laughs> intro is already <laughs> way too long. <laughs> Jason. <laughs> yes. That made me think of an interesting question. What do you think of the closest is we've ever seen James Bond do to camping? What just pops instantly into my head is the outdoor jungle chase in Octopussy. Yeah, that's not uh, bad. I mean, it's not camping, but that's definitely like out in the jungle. Yeah, you know, I was thinking of like Spy, love, spy, spy Who Loved love me. me. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, what I was yeah, thinking. Yeah, we had this to go camping to the desert. Way more fun than mine. Anyway, we've digressed. I was thinking the entire Roger Moore was, was pretty. Ca- oh, campy, 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 not campy. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay, well, in case anybody's still listening, we're planning on releasing a show monthly. It's a monthly show, it's a companion show to Van and Allen's show, where they do a serious review of the films, and then we come along and do this poor shit. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever this is, whatever this is, and we're hey, doing one film a month for nineteen episodes. So we're doing <laughs> something. We're hanging in there. We are. We are a well-oiled machine that produces horse. <laughs> <laughs> But we produce it well. Yes. Anyway, we're planning on releasing these episodes every month, all the way up until we get to Bond 25, which God only knows when it's actually going to release. I don't know. I'm hearing some scary things. But we've got some plans, so don't you worry about it. We've got plans. We will be here with you every step of the way and beyond. But anyways, if you want to check out our other shows, we've got Van and Allen show. We've got the Raymond Benson, the James Bond novelist. He does a music of James Bond show on our channel. We throw in some crazy bric-a-brac and interviews every once in a while. So just, you know, hang in there and check us out. That's what we're here for. Let's get to today's film. We're only like 45 minutes into the show. And let's talk. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about the world is not enough. But before we get our mission brief from Agent Jason, he's going to jump right into the action with no parachute in our segment called What Makes You Say That? I'm now aiming precisely at your groin, says speak over of a hold your peace. Here we go now. And what makes you say that? I give Jason a line from this episode's movie, which of course is The World Is Not Enough. He rewinds the film in his head and gives us the line that came before it. Anybody can do the line that comes after it. Yeah. It's amateur hour. Amateurs. Rookie league. So here we go. Jason, you ready for your first line? I'm ready. I got three tonight. What? Ooh. I got three. Well, I'm going to start you off real easy, all right? Just, just, oh, just a warm-up round. 
Well, All right. Now I'm nervous, man. Three. I never had to do three. All right, Jason. Warm up round. Here we go. Not from him. I can protect you. There you go. He's got it. You put, that, you put that pause in there just for dramatic effect. All right. They're going to get a little harder. See if you can make it through this round, too. I hate to tear you away from Affairs of State 007, but would you mind coming in? I know this one. Uh, story of our relationship, honey. Penny, close, but no cigar. Got it. I knew that one. I knew that one. <laughs> the Dublin was so excited. Oh, I got it. I got it. <laughs> okay. Jason's two for two. Now, that's a successful run. This third one is a bonus. So if he doesn't get it, nobody judge him. Okay. But I still have faith in him. You're determined to protect me, aren't you? Bury the top three cards. <laughs> oh, I got it. He got it. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> The gentleman's a killer, Mister. Yes, bang, bang, Jason on fire. I, I, I'm pretty proud of myself today. I am proud of you because I'm not going to lie. When it gets to return fire tonight, you are on your own. I suck at this movie. <laughs> I, you know, it's one of those movies where I've watched it probably a dozen times, and I just I feel like I never absorb it. You know, it's weird. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I I actually tried to watch it a second time and take some notes, and I, after a while, I just kind of gave up. I just like, eh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to watch this. I'm just going to watch it. That's how it goes. Anyway, Jason, you did amazing, man. You Thanks. did amazing. I think it's time for you to give us that quick mission brief on The World is Not Enough. All right, here it is. Victor Zokas. Renard is behind this. His only goal is chaos. He feels no pain. He can push himself harder, longer than any normal man. If your instincts are right, Renard will be back. And Electra will be the next target. By noon tomorrow, she dies along with everyone in the city. Where is she? Your terrorist is back. 007, I want you to go to Electra. She's taken over the construction of her father's oil pipeline in the Caspian Sea. Em told me she was sending some. Mister? Bond. One pipeline the West is counting on to supply our reserves for the next century. Don't make this personal. I can't do that. I thought it was your job to protect me. No hard feelings, Mr. Bond. It appears that you have been beaten. That bomb will never leave this room. <laughs> Neither will you. I said to be threatened by a man who can't grasp what he's involved in. I usually hate killing an unarmed man. I'm already dead. Not dead enough for me. Can't you just say hello like a normal person? First things first. I've always tried to teach you two things. First, never let them see you bleed. And the second? Always have an escape Who are you? Bond! James Bond. Why am I suddenly worried I'm not carrying enough insurance? The world is not enough. Pay attention, 007. 
So MI6 headquarters is attacked by terrorists out for revenge against a friend of M's who is building a pipeline in the Balkans. Fearing that her friend's daughter, Electra King, might be the next victim, M dispatches Bond to investigate and protect the beautiful heiress. 007 immediately finds himself caught in a crossfire of deception, intrigue, and suspense as he goes head-to-head -head with the extremist Renard, who has hatched a plan to steal a nuclear weapon and blow up the pipeline. As Bond and Elektra grow closer, 007 realizes that there is a hidden enemy in Elektra's organization. Not knowing who to trust, Bond eventually teams up with gorgeous nuclear physicist Christmas Jones is she, to save the world. <laughs> Thrilling ski chases, running gunfights, and a renegade nuclear submarine are just a few of the exciting sequences Bond fans are treated to in this action-packed film. The World Is Not Enough was another financial success for the Bond franchise. It debuted new 007 director Michael Apted and raked in $127 million in the U.S. and $362 million worldwide. The cast included Pierce Brosnan as James Bond, Sophie Marceau as Electra King, Robert Carlyle as Reynard, Denise Richards as Christmas Jones, Robert Coltrane as Valentine Zukowski, Samantha Bond as Ms. Moneypenny, Desmond Llewellyn as Q, John Cleese as R, and Judy Dench as M. And that's it. Back to you, Jared. Thank you for that, Agent Jason. So let's find out what our Ricky agents thought about this one in our segment that we call Declassified. Do you expect me to talk? So we're going to break this movie into a few pieces to get the insights of our rookie agents. And then after that, Jason's going to give us his overall insights and his bomb bombs of trivia. And then he's going to lead Agent Delvin and Agent Patton to their scoring rounds. We're going to find out on the scale of one to seven what they thought about it. But before we do all that, let's get this rookie discussion going. And we're going to go into the following sections. We're going to talk about the pre-title sequence. Then we're going to talk about the song and the opening credits. And then we're going to do Jared's Choice, where I pick something I think is stand out from this film to get the rookie's opinions on. And then we're going to get to the meat of the film and get their overall opinions so it's kind of broken into four pieces and we hope you enjoy it so rookie agents what did you think about the pre-title sequence and we'll start with pat this time pat give us uh your your overall thoughts on on the pre-title sequence this pre-title sequence was kind of two title sequences wasn't it it's one of the longer ones it may okay. be the longest one okay Hey, this one yeah, was pretty long. Was. And not that I didn't mind it because I liked it. Okay. Uh, you had the action in the beginning and then a little lull with some talky talk and then some action again at the end. Mm -hmm. And I really liked it. I really liked uh, Money Penny too. I like seeing her. She's not too bad. You like, like you'll kind of, or, you know. <laughs> well, move over, Gary. Chris <laughs> <laughs> take over. <laughs> yeah, she she's a bit of all right. <laughs> she is a bit of all right, as they say. Yeah, I really liked it. I I like how it was broken up like that. Mm -hmm. You know, the boat chase. That's a cool little boat. It's a cool boat. He was like on a water ride that would not stop. He was like, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. My only question, though, as I was watching, is like, what was the purpose of that woman in the boat? I mean, who was she really trying to shoot? Just whoever stuck their head up out of that hole? There was really no point of her being there. Yeah, and I and I know we got to get Delvin's thoughts, but Jason, you've already sparked something that I, I that just bugs me every time. If she's a professional assassin, there to you know snipe whomever, right? We don't, uh -huh. but she's there to snipe whomever. 
I assume she was the cleanup gal to make sure that that dude was dead. Yeah, that's there's what I, okay. no way. There's no way on God's green earth a professional assassin is going to take a vantage point from a boat. It's the hardest thing to shoot from because it's constantly bobbing up and down. And I mean, what are the odds of even having a shot at the guy from? No, I mean, it's yeah. Anyway, we got tangentialized there for a second. We need to talk to the dark web. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Dark web, what do you got on that opening title sequence? Well, I kind of got the impression that they are dialing back to the montages of old. Or not the montages, but the opening uh, pre-credit sequences of old. Because it really had a feel of that. You know, how Bond came in and kind of he was in an awkward situation with the banker that turned out to be deadly. and But he escapes clean. And then he had the flirting with Money Penny. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed that because it was definitely a throwback and it did make me appreciate Money Penny a little bit more. I liked her role in the movie where she was smart and clever and witty and flirtatious and all that. So that part of it was really cool. And then it capped it off with a crazy action scene where I don't know how the heck Bond only came out with like a sore shoulder clavicle. <laughs> he should have had a broken everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that part I didn't quite get because, like, I mean, when he fell like that, I'm like, surely he isn't okay. And he wasn't, but dang. Even then he hits those two bars, too. Like, <laughs> yeah, it just bounces off of him. Bounces off of that, yeah. I was like, wow. They did a subtle thing into the intro of the music where you saw Bond kind of, like, walking off holding his arm. Hmm. And that was pretty cleverly done. Good stuff. Good stuff. So good pre-title sequence. Sounds like everybody liked it. I personally liked the part where he was trying to use that dude's body weight to get out the window. And the dude like grabbed onto the, the oh, leg yeah, of the yeah. table and he's like yanking until <laughs> the leg broke off. Always makes me laugh. <laughs> I like the relationship between Bond and M and this one too. You can kind of see where it's evolved a little bit more, where they're a little more comfortable mm-hmm. in each yeah. other's presence. I thought that was kind of cool. I need to find a boss that'll let me drink with them. I know, right? I was like, hey, every time you come in, have a drink. Okay, I'll have a drink. You <laughs> I even <laughs> offered my boss a drink and got in trouble. I can't believe it. <laughs> I like working here with you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Keep some bourbon in the desk. One drink is over. You and me should get a room together. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you sit this one out there, champ? <laughs> uh, yeah, Jason's right. We had good character builds. So it's a, a good overall sequence. So that's it for pre-title sequence and Jason. I'll take think? it away here for the song. So I thought the song was garbage personally, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'll start with Delvin this time. Delvin, what did you think of the song? Just the song itself? Or are we going to talk about the credits that were playing during the sure, song? Sure. Yeah, give it to us. Your full thought here. Okay. Just about the credits. There was no subtle drop in with the music which took away from the whole thing. And then what I wrote down upon first watching, because I was able to do the scheduling, I was able to watch this movie twice, two and a half, kind of. I wrote for the first time, this movie better be about an oil baron, because if not, the scene makes no sense. <laughs> oh, good news. <laughs> Lucky. Right. I, I, I'm like, okay, I do I do get it because, you know, you're seeing, you know, the dancers, you know, swaying and the old thing. It wasn't really the best look. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of 90s generic to me. Yeah, the whole scene of it didn't really pop to me, but the song was very good. Mm-hmm. 
I've heard Jared mention before about the orchestra. I think you like the orchestra a lot with Tomorrow Never Dies. Yes, I, lo- I love it when they bring a strong orchestra with the song. I, I like the orchestra here. I think Garbage was an unconventional choice. But I think Shirley Manson, who I believe is the lead singer of Garbage, she understood her range. And the song was, it was very nice. It was seductive and mm-hmm. cool. And her voice was just pretty all throughout. I really did enjoy the song. I think it emulates the movie well. The seductiveness of Electric King. And I don't know. I just I think it encapsulates the movie well. But you know what? It's not my opinion. It's Pat's opinion. Yeah, Pat, what do you think? On the opening credits, I thought they were kind of cool. And now that Delvin mentions that about the oil, it's like, oh, okay. I see what they're doing here now. When I think back what I saw, I didn't dawn on me of what they were doing. I just thought it was kind of liquidy and kind of interesting. It was a lot better than some previous ones. I think they kind of stuck to a, a good format here. Mm-hmm. As far as the song goes, I, you know, it's garbage. Uh, <laughs> but I said enough. <laughs> you know, it, it felt all right. Now that you guys say a little bit more too, as far as it maybe fit the tone of the movie better. I can see that. It sounded like you wanted something a little bit more. Yeah, I was looking for it. You know, I think I can already deduce your score. <laughs> <laughs> the song is done. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and find out what we would rate this song. Is it enough mm. or is it not? We'll find out. Mm. Will it be a seven or a one or somewhere mm. in between? <laughs> <laughs> or some other numbers. <laughs> or a number between one and seven. We'll find out. <laughs> so find let's go out. ahead and find out. Delvin, where are you going to rate this song? I'm giving it a five. Close to a six, but I'm right at about a five of it because I did enjoy it. What do you have, Pat? I am going to give it a four. If I remember the song and go, oh, yeah, I remember hearing the song back in the day on the radio. I don't remember hearing it that much, but I know the band Garbage. I got CD of the Garbage, so it just didn't give me that feel for Garbage, if that makes sense. She's got a great voice, don't get me wrong. Yes. Sure. <laughs> you don't have to defend yourself. You can no, fun. Putting it out there. All right. Jason? I'm going to land with Delvin and say five. I think that this was a solid song, and I really dig the end of it. I mean, how it, how it leads. The world is yeah, I think it ends very strong. I think <laughs> this, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's no golden eye, but it's still still a decent song. So I'm going to go five. Maybe that's it. You know, I'm so you get a good song like Golden Eye. Yeah, that's really hard to top Golden Eye. I would not do really any Bond song in the service of comparing it to Golden Eye. You know, <laughs> I definitely had this song self contained. Yeah, would be unfair to compare it to Tina Turner. But I think that with Shirley plus the orchestra, it was the absolute best that that song could be. And that is a compliment. That is not a sneak diss or anything. That's a compliment. No, I agree. I, I know what you're saying. I think, you know, that uh, when you look at Tina Turner, I mean, she's on a class by herself. You know, Shirley Bassey, kind of the same thing. You know, you have some of these other folks that are terrific entertainers, great artists, but maybe don't have quite that vocal range. And to have this song come out as well as it did, I think is a testament to them understanding their strengths and their limitations and playing to their strengths. Yep. But anyway, let's see what Jared has to say. I don't think Pat deserves James Bond. (laughs) (laughs) Fine, then I'm done. Guys later. (laughs) Done here. Then I tender my resignation. (laughs) You could deliver it to that monument in there. (laughs) 
No, I like it better than most. I'm going to give it a six. I think I'm pretty darn close to Delvin because he was teetering at that Joe November 5.5, I think. I was teetering. And uh, I'm going to push it over there. I really like it. I love singing along with it. It's just a strong song and it has great orchestral sound, which is, you know, I'm a big fan of. So, yeah, I'm going to give it a solid six. You know, I think I'm the only one that hasn't really heard or sat and listened to all the James Bond songs. No, so you where get you guys perspective. Yeah. That's, that's fine. Yeah, so I can see where maybe if I listened to more songs, I'd have, you know, an understanding. or Yeah, you have more of a barometer set for the yeah. scale. Yeah, I could see that. I think sometimes I score Bond songs is how I like the movie, too. Not so much in this case, but I think there's some like for your eyes only that I score a little bit higher because I really like the film. Yeah, that's uh, definitely me to License to Kill. You know, License to Kill is my number one song, my number one movie. Hmm. And they, that might go hand in hand. Plus, it's just an awesome song. <laughs> yeah, it is an awesome song. <laughs> but I hear you, Pat. That's legit. All right. Good thoughts on the song. Let's talk about the Jared's Choice segment for this episode. And guys, the topic is going to be Bond's coldest kills. Let's just jump right to the end of the movie. He shot Electric King, point blank, and period. (laughs) She is one of the few villains in a Bond movie that he actually straight up just shoots them. Blam, dead. Pretty damn cold. So what I'd like to hear from my rookies, go back in your heads and think about what do you think is the coldest kill you've seen James Bond do so far? I'll tell you a couple that we've talked about, if this helps you. We definitely talked about Killifer with the shark and the money. Um, (laughs) We talked about Stromberg when Roger Moore just straight up shot that fool like four times. Dude was eating in the middle of his eating his dinner. Well, his face down in his lobster, man. And then we've talked about the killing of Red Grant. And Red Grant, he straight up strangled him with his own garage. So that was kind of cold-blooded. So those are just samples. You can pick anything you want. I'm interested in uh, in your thoughts. And since the rookies might need a little more time, Jason, give me your quick opinion, and then we'll toss to the rookies. Well, if you go in the literal sense, I'd say probably uh, those folks he killed during the glacier chase. There's a couple that pop into my head as far as, I guess he didn't actually do it, but the sniper killing from Russia with love. But I think I'm going to go back to the original Dr. No when he kills uh, the professor. Ooh, that's good. He sat up there, set up the little trap for him, played himself some solitaire while he waited, made himself a drink, just chilling. And you've had your six and just <laughs> bunk, bunk. Shot, shot him down, man. That's legit. All right. I will now pass it to Delvin. What do you think, man? Coldest kill you've seen so far? Two came to mind. And the first one, I'm glad that you reminded me that his name was Stromberg because I thought that that kill was almost like a, just like F.U. kill. Like, <laughs> it was. That was, a, <laughs> that was almost like a gangland kill, man. Just like he held like, up yeah. Walter sideways and just. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you, you know, I did it. I don't like your face. <laughs> bam, bam, stupid face. Or the Roger Moore uh, no head for heights kill. Oh. Ooh, kicking that guy's car. Yes. Oh, man. That's How did good. I overlook that one? Oh, that's good. Del was coming out with your eyes only now. Yeah, that kill was just like, holy Hannah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I mean, and of course, we know Roger Moore hated it, but like, whew, that was mm-hmm. a cold blooded kill. That's a good one. That leaves you, Patrice. What you got? You know, I'm going to go with this one with Electra just because, you know, it is he's, cold. It's cold. <laughs> Definitely, you know, he did some Bondian stuff with her. <laughs> yep. He was like, oh, and then he, then he leans over her body. I was like, what are you going to do 
here and M's watching you. What's going on? <laughs> this is going in your psychological profile. You know this, right? <laughs> You're right, though, Pat. And then she tried to use it against him. Oh, you couldn't kill me. Not a woman yeah. in blood. And he was like, <laughs> not in cold blood. <laughs> Just to stack on in Pat's defense, too. It's like all the examples, even the one I threw out, Somebody had tried to kill him. And so even when he kicked old boy off the cliff, the guy was trying to run him down. She didn't have a weapon. She was totally unarmed. He didn't. Nah, you know, she she did enough, dude. She yeah. did yeah. enough. She emotionally manipulated the dude. She freaking put him in that chair, was going to break his neck. She did enough. I'm not saying she didn't deserve it. I'm just saying that there is the element that she was unarmed and the other folks that we discussed were armed and actively trying to kill him at the time. I mean, I hear what you're saying, and I counter that with... (laughs) (laughs) Don't know I'm going to edit that because I need the comedic effect. (laughs) Shoot! There you go. Well, I think those were, I think it's really cool that we all pick something different and they're all great. So good job, team. I like that discussion. If you're one of our listeners, by the way, thanks for listening. Hit us up on Twitter at OHMS Pod. Let us know what you thought the coldest kill was. We'd love to hear your opinion. So let's talk about highs and lows from the film. And we're going to ask agents Delvin and Pat their thoughts. We'll pass this around the room a couple times and we'll start with Delvin. Let's start with a high. And we have to give tribute to the mighty, the immortal Desmond Llewellyn for playing Q. Somewhere in my hazy memory, I remember saying I remember how he went out but I couldn't remember what movie. Mm -hmm. And in my head, I thought that he went out under Daniel Craig and I was clearly incorrect. And sure enough, I had, and it's to the degree that it surprised me when Pierce was like, you're not retiring anytime soon. Are you? And I'm like, Oh no, (laughs) no, but they gave him a beautiful exit they did. I mean, I just want to give my compliments to the dude. I mean, who've been who's been with the franchise since day one. Absolute legend. I enjoyed him in every movie. So props to Q. Props to Desmond Llewellyn. Absolutely. Here, yeah. here. Second that. I second that. He is definitely in my notes as well, too. Still, and I have still fun to see him. Yeah. yeah always. Every time. Even when he was in his older years, he still had that twinkle in his eye and obviously just having fun with the role and made Bond what he is. He was a key ingredient in the whole thing. And it was very clear that every James Bond adored him. Mm -hmm. Like they weren't putting these parts in the movies and you were just seeing Bond just go through the motions like, okay, yeah, let's get the old guy part out of the way. You can tell that Brosnan enjoyed working with him. That chemistry was clearly there. Yeah. He's probably got some cool stories. (laughs) Yes. And you know, if you got like the the part of James Bond, you were just selected for that highest honor. One of the first thoughts that would have to go through your mind is I'm going to get to do a scene with Desmond, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And you also have to think, man, I hope he likes me. (laughs) (laughs) I have a feeling if he didn't like you, you would not have the part of Bond. (laughs) Yeah. You probably had some say so. <laughs> oh goodness. Well, Pat, give us a high or low. What do you think? You know, I'm gonna give a high. And I found the villain of Renard. Mm-hmm. He's got that kind of uh I don't care attitude, you know, with all that's going on with him. I'm like, that's pretty interesting where this guy is just willing to do what he needs to do because it doesn't matter to him. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna do this and it's not gonna hurt me because or if it does, you know what? Boom, then I'm done. I only, I'm only here for a little while. I'm going to, you know, make something of it. Yeah, he yeah. was with nothing to lose, really. 
Yeah, I thought he was interesting in that way because, I mean, he definitely was on a ticking clock and, yeah, didn't really care one way or the other. I thought he was a good, interesting villain. And then it played nicely with Elektra as well. So he kind of had that double teaming because she was more of the conniving. He's more of the straight-in-your-face villain. Yeah, they were an interesting combo. I will say that. Certainly were. I hear you, Pat. I think he played an interesting villain with the nothing to lose. Because if you notice, too, like right before he died, the actor kind of did a neat thing where he actually smiled a little bit. If you go Mm. back and watch it. Yeah, yeah. When he says that line, she's waiting for you. Yeah, and he just kind of smiles a little bit because I think he's happy that it's finally over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like he was trying to make it over with. and Yeah. Great performance. A man tires of being killed. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Delvin, throw us out another higher low, sir. Okay. Since we're talking about characterization, I'll throw out a quick low. I was disappointed how Pierce reacted when Elektra asked him had he ever lost someone. I remember when Roger Moore, he was kind of doing his flighty, carefree thing. And then when that answer was posed to him, you could tell he immediately thought about Tracy. He immediately just turned from carefree to dark, like, nope, mm-hmm. don't go there. Or like when Timothy Dalton, when she threw him that garter and he was yeah. mm-hmm. got very serious and was just like, no, no, thank you. I don't know, I because I thought about that, too. I know the scene you're talking about, and he doesn't really do anything, but he, he clams up. Yeah, I think he just doesn't answer. Exactly. Which, he looked kind of like, eh, but that was it. I think of Pierce Brosnan highly as an actor, so I just, I don't know. I just wanted a little bit more there. Okay, fair enough. I agree with that. Pat, give me a high or a low. Well, let's go ahead and talk about Christmas Jones. Oh, I was wondering, like, are we going to get through this whole thing without talking about Christmas Jones? How far do we make it into the podcast? (laughs) Well, I know everybody's kind of not, but... (laughs) (laughs) Get us with it, Both barrels. Give it to us. Put some stank on it. Well, you know, I didn't think... Boy, it's just the way it was portrayed or acted, I guess. Kind of took me out of the movie at that point. I'm like, oh, she's a good-looking girl, but what's with this attitude? Oh, uh, Yeah, her acting was just uh, bad. Uh, bad. herself to the audience. Uh, I think he, could he have had somebody else? He, he, done the role or, uh, did he really need another you know lady well sometimes? i think he did need a lady for the end you know to end up with <laughs> yeah, I guess, well, yeah you know. i guess why couldn't it have been the doctor that cleared was, yeah. somebody like that yeah the doctor was more but maybe what really puts it off maybe if they didn't name her christmas jones so they oh we got to put some christmas puns in here christmas only comes once a year <laughs> oh, i actually oh. groaned when i saw that for the first time at theater i was like no I'm having Christmas in Turkey. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up, Jake. Let me whip out this yolog. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 Go just call her side whistle Jones. <laughs> I gotta chime in here. I should at least read directly from my notes here. From my notes. I hate Denise Richards instantly. <laughs> If she's a lesbian, she should not have telegraphed openly flirting with Bond, which she did. And then Christmas Jones is a dumb name. Every pun was God awful. I could not have liked her less in this movie. I think there is a reason they brought her in about halfway through the movie. It's so that people didn't have to put up with her all the way through the movie. <laughs> and, you know, we like to have fun and stuff. So like, I, I'm keeping that in mind. But she was 
terrible in this movie. I think she actually earned a Raspberry Award for worst actor in the film. And then there was a point after she was introduced where, you know, all hell starts breaking loose. Renard sort of escaped. And then Bond, for whatever reason, come on. Like, why? He had no connection to her. Why did he even keep her? Why did he bring her along? He needed a nuclear physicist. That's Uh, right. Yeah. Oh, oh. (laughs) I am glad that we do this rookie agent show for many reasons. And this is one of them. I often ask myself, have we as a James Bond community just kind of gotten jaded and fed off of one another? Was Christmas Jones really that bad? Or is that such lore that we've all just accepted? And I'm learning from you guys that nope, it really was that bad. She was terrible. And I know I've already said that. And I want to say it again just so everyone can get across how terrible I thought she was. I think she honestly sinks this movie down a couple places just being in it. I know we're being really negative right now, but I honestly think she's probably the worst Bond girl in the franchise. This uh, You can't see me, but I'm nodding my head. They did their best to try to make her useful, and she was in some cases, but the reason why she is bad, like not only just the acting, but so many things that she said were just expository. This is what's happening right now. (laughs) I know. I'm looking at the movie. You don't have to tell me. I'm seeing it. She did that a lot. What was another worst part of it is once the bomb goes off and they're, before we go any further, I just got to know. What do you got to know? You don't even know the guy that long to ask him a question like that. She wanted to know whether he was going on with Sophia Marceau. Right. It's like the place just blew up. Why are you even asking that? So this is kind of a a little bit of funny in the middle of the negativity when the guy told James Bond, like, she's not interested in men. Trust me. I know. <laughs> oh, really, Mr. Smooth and Small? <laughs> yeah, that was a good little bit that they snuck in there. Yeah, like <laughs> so. So it, it's possible that maybe she really wasn't a lesbian. It was just brought by a dude who's so freaking ridiculous. Like, oh, I tried to hit on her, and she didn't go for me. So clearly, she's a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I will say, too, and this is the last thing I'll say on the subject. It's really bad when you compare her to Sophie Marceau, who does such a good job in the film. It makes the poor performance stand out. Let's shift slightly. Sophie, in that movie, she was manipulative. Uh I mean, she played that role. Like the one part where I didn't think she was faking, the trauma that she went through was when her and Bond were trapped in the snow and she just freaked out. Yes. And Bond had to calm her down. But other than that, I mean, she was manipulative and cold and calculating, but beautiful and sensual she played a lot of different elements and i loved her in the movie she was great she was fantastic concur because i think generally the bond movies have done some fantastic casting they've done great with the bonds they've done great with the villains a lot of times and the bond girls i just would love to know some of the story behind what got denise richards in particular that role i think it's time for us to hear a jared's theory Everybody sit down, get comfortable. Should we sit on the casting couch? You should should sit (laughs) on the seat of your seat is what you should do. All right. (laughs) Jared's theory is this. 
Have you ever noticed, and maybe you will going forward, that every time they cast a relatively unknown actress, it's really great. But every time they cast a known actress, it is a letdown. Just file Give examples, please. Denise Richards was known. You haven't seen it yet, so I don't want to taint your opinions, but there's another one coming right around the corner. Next movie. That movie. Actually, there's two of them that appear in the next movie. All right, I'll just say it. Halle Berry. Halle Berry and Madonna are both in the next movie, and they're both just like, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> they don't cast knowns very often, but when they do, those are some examples. And you can decide. Maybe I'm wrong. Let me know when we get the other side of Die Another Day what you think. I'm more than willing to be wrong. Don't let me taint your opinion. But maybe for this character, they told, you know, because she was so uberly science <laughs> Was she? No. You know what I mean. They had to make her play like, all you care about is science stuff. Let's wrap it up. Just uh, give me your final thoughts, Delvin, on on the movie here. Final thoughts were, it was a good movie. I did enjoy it. Several good elements. We already talked about Sophie Marceau. It was worth talking about Renard, too, because he did a very good job. I will resist any live puns that I have. Trust me. <laughs> Someone's going to hear this and be like, yeah, he does look like him. Just trust me on that. And I also, we, we didn't talk about M. I can agree with why she was so easily manipulated. I think they set it up well. I think that Sophie Marceau was a cunning enough person that she could make even someone as experienced as M fall for her scheme. Because put it this way, if it were a Denise Richards type character and M fell for it, I'd have been like, oh, this movie is trash. (laughs) You're fired. Yeah. Yeah. You don't deserve your job, M. Hang it up. But that's not the case. It was because Sophie Marceau pulled off such an incredible character who played that victim role expertly that M fell for it. So there are very good elements. And of course, Bond himself. Here's Brosnan did another solid performance too. So that's it for me. Just to tack onto it, I think the fact that Bond got suckered in. Yeah, he did. So if you consider that, you know, Bond himself gets kind of hoodwinked. You can understand how M could as well. Well, and usually Bond is, I mean, yeah, he has a weakness for women. Yes, but M specifically said, you're there to protect her. You're not there to hook up with this woman. And he resisted at first. But Sophie Marceau, or excuse me, I should say her, her Electra was so compelling to him that he fell for it anyway. And he disobeyed orders. There's usually times where he disobeys orders because it's advancing a mission of his, but not normally because he basically just fell for the girl. That's not usually Bond's thing. And he did it because of her. That was well played. I like how she judo flipped him in that scene when he went and confronted her. And she's like, how dare you? You disgust me. (laughs) He's like, wait a minute. Wasn't I the one just met? I don't. What happened? (laughs) (laughs) The other thing I liked is when she's like, you do what you want to do. I've called him. He's like, oh, yes. (laughs) I'm going to be in so much trouble. (laughs) Anyway, Pat, let's wrap it up with some final thoughts here. What do you got left? This was another movie that I really didn't take a lot of notes on again. Just kind of was interested too. And you guys had mentioned earlier on, you gave up taking notes and you're just like, well, I'm just going to watch this. Was it in a good way for you both? Hmm. Eh, kind of middle of the road. Or that you're like, oh, I've seen this so many times and I'm... I don't know. It's Like I said, it's weird. This I just can't ever seem to absorb this movie. I feel like it washes over me for some reason. Oh, I enjoy this movie. I mean, I like it. Overall, but to be honest, you know, this is one where sometimes I get to check in my phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that in some of the spots. 
It's like, just get to it. Mm-hmm. There's some scenes, I'll pick on the paraglider scene for a minute. On the surface, it's a cool scene, but there's nothing really that stands out. If I think about other ski chase scenes, I remember, you know, For Your Eyes Only or Honor Majesty's Secret Service, certain parts of those chases where Bond does something clever, like use a ski pole to clothesline one of the other chasers on the bike, things like that. And this one is just like a bunch of explosions and most of the paragliders just like crash into a tree or something. And Bond doesn't really do much of anything. Kind of like an underwater fight. <laughs> no, I mean, the underwater fight, though, even there, I'll admit it goes kind of long, but you remember certain things that Bond does. And this one, it's just, you know, he skis down and there's these huge explosions and lots of bullets and things like that. But there's not really a memorable moment for me. I could be in the minority here, but that's kind of how I feel about this movie in general. They're action scenes, but nothing that really stands out. Well, well, I think with that, I'm just going to do a couple little more notes that I have. Quick ones is Q's replacement, R, is good. It's hard to see Q not be around anymore. Yeah, but they couldn't have picked a better replacement with John Cleese. Yeah. John True Cleese that. is a legend in his own right. True. I just think he was a little more wackier, though. But and yeah. that's who he is. That's who he is. Yeah, you know, the kitchen, the jacket in the car thing is a little over the top for me. But still, yeah. it's Cleese, so you got to give yeah. him a little leeway. Yeah, I like Valentin. Zakowski's back yeah. again. Yes, I liked him. Zakowski must have really hated you. <laughs> <laughs> I liked him. He was pretty good. So they had, you know, some decent supporting cast. And I like how he's kind of saved Bond. You're thinking, oh, he's going to shoot her. Just shoot her. And then he shoots the cuffs or whatever on the chair. So pretty cool. And it gives him that smile. Then, mm-hmm. Well, I oh. think he dies. I don't know. Did he die? Yeah, I was going to say, I was kind of hoping he lived. I was too. I'm not going to lie to you there. Yeah, we missed that guy. Yeah, I would have thought that, you know, hey, in the business you're in, they're doing, you, wouldn't you just put on a bulletproof vest or something? Sometimes people think that they're above all of that. Not necessarily, I guess, is what I'm saying. Kind of miss him. He's a cool guy. Uh, that's about all I got. Anything else for us, Pat? Any kind of player counts? Oh, well, let's go ahead and do a double O player. I think this was an easy one to count. I got a count of three. The Doctor, Electra, mm-hmm. Christmas. Did the job in hand. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't really anybody else. What he didn't smoke. No, I think our smoking days are behind us, my friend. They went out of their way. At the start of the movie, where Bond gives Money Penny the cigar and they made the sexual innuendo, but she threw the cigar in the trash. Like, no, 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 I don't do that. So I thought that was kind of symbolic. Yeah, so you have to remember the timing of this movie, too. It was very much around the Clinton scandal and his proclivity for delaying cigars and. So that was very much on the public conscience at the time. The reference is a bit lost now that the years have gone by, but yeah. It's a double entendre. <laughs> Jason is correct. It's a double entendre. Hmm. I guess I didn't even think about that. Me neither. I didn't think about that. Well, there you have it. Well, well done, rookie agents. Now, real quick, let's have our veteran co-host Jason weigh in on this one and give us them bonbons. Okay. Well, I think I've pretty much given you my thoughts on the film, so I'll just roll right into these bonbons. And the first bomb is that Desmond Llewellyn died in a car accident soon after the film was released. Llewellyn said just before his death that he was planning to be in the next Bond film, but the movie's video release was dedicated to Llewellyn, and it features a tribute montage of his appearances in 17 Bond films over the 36 years. 
I did not know he died in a car accident. I thought yeah, I he passed of old age. Yeah, you know, I, when I read that too, I think I'd heard that a while back, but I'd forgotten. And in my mind, I thought he died of old age as well. So that was a little, little sad. But I will say that this was a good way to wrap it up. I think the scene was a perfect period at the end of 36 years of service. Yeah, it was well done. Very well done. Indeed. Okay, so number two. So in the warehouse of Zukowski that he turned into an operations room, there's some girly pictures that are seen on the walls. Mm-hmm. I spotted that. Yeah, and those <laughs> are all former Bond girls. That part I did not spot. Mm. And number three, in the Scottish headquarters castle, there's a portrait on the desk behind M, and it's a portrait of Bernard Lee, the original M. Uh, behind the desk. That's cool. I didn't notice that. That's awesome. And that's that. Now you know. (laughs) Now you know. And now that we have Jason's 007 trivia nuggets safely tucked away, it's (laughs) funny every time. Every time. (laughs) It's funny every time to me, too. (laughs) It's time to have our rookie agents score this film. Jason, handle that. All right. We got some martini glasses lying out. So one to seven martinis. One means you hated it. Two, not so good. Three is okay. Four is good. Five is very good. Six is excellent. And seven, you loved it. It shook your martini to perfection. Delvin, how many martinis are you giving it? I am giving it five martinis. I didn't think it was a bad movie. I enjoyed Sophie Marceau very much. She was the best villain of the movie by far. I was close, close to giving it six, but I can't give anything that had Denise Richards in it that long a six. So it's definitely a five. Like her alone dropped it a point <laughs> completely. So well, I take it you think she did a bad job? No, I'm just kidding. That is correct. <laughs> All right, five from Delvin. Pat, how many are you giving it? I'm going to give it a five as well. I thought story-wise was good, and just the performance by Electra helped move it along as well, too. Very good. There it is, Jared. There it is. Decent enough. I wouldn't disagree with that. I thank you, gentlemen. Now, it's time to crown this episode's Double O Award winner. Oh, the moment they've all been waiting for. I know, and I... I'm going to make them wait a little while longer because Pat and Delvin are going to do this by answering some trivia questions on the world is not enough. And Delvin is the current champion gets to go first. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break to thank our Patreon sponsors. And I'm going to hand it over to the founder of the network here, Mr. Van Allen Plexico, and he's going to read off those sponsors. And we appreciate each and every one of them. White Rocket Entertainment. As always, we have to pause here to thank our patrons, the folks who go beyond the call of duty of MI6 and On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast to help us bring you all these programs. You get the Bond Review Shows by Alan and me. You get Jared and his crew with the Rookie Agent Show. You get the Raymond Benson Music Reviews for the entire series and so much more. And that's just on this particular channel of our network. We also do many other programs, including the White Rocket Podcast, and Alan and I do Open Wheel, covering Formula One and IndyCar racing. And all those shows exist because of the great support of patrons like Brendan O'Dwyer, Samuel Salvatore, Christopher Burleson, and Carl Von Drunker, 
Trevor Johnson, Phil Amthor, Winston Boddy, Willie Carden, Susan Trawick, Ben Spooner, Stephen Thompson, Chris Usher, Justin Bean, Steve Trawick, and Richard Stevens, Ross, Kevin Smith, Clarence Alford, David Hegler, Robert Mendenhall, Johnny Caldwell, Reynolds Wolf, Valiant Hermes, Jacob and Robin Fleming, Clay Henson, Ann Kangian, Catherine England, George Gaston, Will Summerford, John McCune, Tom Anderson, David Evers, Andrew Barber, Timothy, Steve Harlan, Dan Thompson, Wes Atkinson, Rich Reimer, Jared Albrecht, William Glenn Matthews, Joel Beckham, Spanky, Theodore Gary, Shannon Butson, Taylor Sanford, Mickey B, Hugh Anderson, Shane Bailey, Mick Vigicana, Chris Thrash, Logan Chilton, Tony Perry, Alex Nguyen, Josh Teal, David Simpson, Earl Ricks, Mike Finley, C.T. Wayne, Dave Powell, David Smiley, Jeremy Minton, Lane Middleton, Donnie Reynolds, Wade Carson, Ivor Evans, John Zavachin, Chris Camo, Darren Pyle, Chris, Wardam Wade, Jason Albrick, Randall Walker, Ben Amos, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Patrick Williams, Rob Morgan, Stephen Schuster, James Taylor, John Stubbs, Kenneth Brent Rains, Nicholas Craig, Russell Milling, Matthew Wagstaff, Joey Miller, Mark Squire, Brent Rumble, J.W. Rice, Michael Morton, Lawrence Kane, our one-time donors, including Surfer Chickify, and our anonymous donors. We thank you all. If you want to join their ranks and help this show and others on our network to keep going, just go to www.patreon.com and look up Van Allen Plexico or White Rocket, and for as little as a dollar a month, you can join the team and continue to help bringing shows like this to the air. And we thank you very much. And thank you, Van. And if you'd like to help us buy an exploding pair of eyeglasses, you too can help sponsor the show over at patreon.com. Just search the keyword Plexico, P-L-E-X-I-C-O, giving us a little as a dollar a month to help keep Agent Jason's BMW stocked with heat-seeking missiles. Like all those other folks whose names you just heard, you'll get a shout out on every episode of all White Rocket Entertainment shows, including this one. As a patron, you'll also get bonus material, behind the scenes information on all White Rocket endeavors, including our novels, comic books, and more. Okay, let's find out who this mission's trivia double O award winner is going to be so he can lord it over the other guy until the next episode. Agent Jared and I have each prepared three questions for a total of six. We'll take turns asking each of our contestants a question. You get it right, that's one point. You get it wrong, your opponent has an opportunity for a steal, sneaky bond style. Most points gets you the coveted double O award, Atena Zukowski's finest caviar, a gopher ball ski jacket, and an escape plan. Rest in peace, Q. While supplies last, not available in all areas. Let's start the segment we like to call Agents Under Fire. Well, I understand double O's have a very short life expectancy. Well, here we are again, boys. Mm. World is not enough. Delvin, you're our current champion. Would you like to go first or second? Second. Making my notes. I'll go first, Jared. Okay, Pat's going <laughs> first. Pat, who would you like to read your questions? You know what? I'm going to go with Jason. So it looks like Jason's going to be asking the first question to Pat. Take it away, Jason, for the easy round. All right, Pat. So this is the second appearance of Valentin Zukowski. What movie was his first appearance? That was the easy question. Oh, oh, yeah. That's an easy question. I thought it was. I thought it was really easy. (laughs) Tomorrow never dies. Delvin? The Living Daylights? Man, you're both fired. Oh, man. Was it golden? Yeah, golden eye. Oh, do you know how long the winters are? (laughs) Tell Dimitri. Well, it depends. (laughs) Silence. (laughs) 
No points awarded. Okay, zero that was, zero. Thought that was easy. I thought that it was easy. <laughs> I don't know if we've ever had. Have we had that happen before? Maybe it's haven't. the gap we had. Maybe it's the gap we had. And we've we've been out of practice. We're a little rusty. Yeah. I'm gonna bring one to Delvin. Speaking of Zakowski, aside from his casino, what legitimate business is he running in this film? Oh, um, he sold um, Beluga like caviar. That is correct. You're all right. You come out of the easy round with one point. Pat, you have nothing. I knew that one. <laughs> this is why it's important to pick the uh, who's going to read your questions. <laughs> or which which order you go in. <laughs> yeah, I guess it would be more important to pick the order. <laughs> what I said was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> made no sense, really. It made no sense at all. Yeah. Jared's having a wild day. Yeah. What you should do, Jared, is minus it. <laughs> <laughs> just, just minus it slughead oh, oh, i have a total slughead let's get to the medium round all right pat let's get you on the board here no you don't have to dude you know it's all good <laughs> so q reminds bond of his two biggest pieces of advice before he exits permanently what were his two pieces of advice to 007 always have an exit plan i'll accept it and oh boy, what was the f- mm, that's why it's the in the first medium part. round? What was the first one? Um, oh, don't eat my sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> he did tell him that technically, and <laughs> golden, golden eye. Eye. <laughs> but that is incorrect. Do I have a point? No, Delvin, <laughs> <laughs> no, you're gonna steal this. I am. The second one was always have an escape plan, but he said, never let them see you bleed. Oh, very good. Delvin, you could take a commanding lead at this point. If you can tell me, how much money did Electra quote unquote lose in Zakovsky's casino? One million dollars. She dropped a million dollars in your casino and you don't even blink an eye? It was a payoff, son. It was a payoff. Mm Mm-hmm. Me and Delvin are kicking y'all's butts. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're doing a great job there, Jared. <laughs> well, it's the hard round. It's okay, Pat. You can take tonight off. It's already over, dude. That's it not... Is. Well, he could... Well, nope. I guess. <laughs> nope. <laughs> He's done. It's all about pride. Delvin's cold-blooded. Uh, I guess, yeah. I guess you're right. Yep. All about pride. Oh, Delvin's got three points, and Pat has zero points, and there's two questions left. Oh, so you're saying I got a chance. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Pat. Which double O agent was originally sent to kill Reynard? They sent Agent Six. Mm-mm. Seven. <laughs> Eight. It was nine. <laughs> Delvin with another steal. It's just flat out embarrassing at this point. I still love you though, Pat. No, you don't. I do. I really do. It's a shutout. Can't believe Delvin would do this to you in cold blood. Not after you guys have loved each other like you have. <laughs> Blam! Hug. Hug. Gentle hug. <laughs> you won't let me lose. Oh. Let me lose. Delvin, if you uh, you win this, it's, I think it's the most commanding victory in the show's history. You'll have beaten him five to zero. So speaking what? of that scene, Delvin, what did Bond say to Elektra right after he shot her? No point living if you can't feel alive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what did he say? You earned it. You keep it. Oh, but <laughs> I can't remember. Pat, you're going to take a point away from this. Pat, you got an answer for me? No, I don't. I'll let Jason take it then. I never miss. 
I know. Oh, yes, son of a... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh. Cold-blooded. Oh. Well, congratulations to Delvin. Be sure to do the right and proper thing and lord this victory over Pat until you meet again in the field next episode. I certainly will. You know, Pat thought he was ready, but he was not prepared. The word is not enough. Nowhere near enough. Nowhere near enough. You want it. You keep it, old buddy. Now it's time for our final segment of the show entitled Return Fire. During Return Fire, our rookie agents Pat and Delvin get to toss Jason and I a trivia question they brought with them in an attempt to stump the double O experts. So let's get going with Return Fire. This never happened to the other fellow. By default, Delvin, I guess you get to go first. They played high card for $1 million. What card did King draw? It was, I want to say it was a decent draw, but she still lost. She drew a queen of diamonds. She drew a queen of hearts. I thought it was queen of diamonds and it got beat by an ace of clubs. It did get beat by an ace of clubs, but it was a queen of hearts. Oh, okay. I wrote it down. Oh, I'm notes. still proud of you for knowing it was a queen, Jason, because I thought it was a nine. You know how I know? I wrote it. <laughs> no, I, I believe you. I remember it was a red queen. I just didn't remember which which suit. I'm impressed, man, that you even got the queen part. I was the way off. That's what happens when you play with the queen of hearts. <laughs> it's not that really smart. <laughs> Joker's the only who will do anything for you. Exactly. Pat, what do you got? What was the name of the boat that took Bond and Christmas to the island? Seventh Seven Heaven. Yep, you got it. Bow, 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 bow. I'm just a loser today, boys. It's not just that you're a loser, but we're winners. <laughs> <laughs> well played. I was well get played you on that one too. No man, Seventh Heaven was in my notes. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> All right, nicely done, guys. Agent Jared, what do we have in the eyes-only mailbag this week? What, no small talk? No chit-chat? Well, thank you, Jason. As a reminder to our audience, if you'd like to be a part of the show, you can send us your questions, comments, trivia challenges to ohmspod at outlook.com or over on our Twitter page at ohmspod. And if you like, you can even use that email. And as a reminder, that's ohmspod at outlook.com and send us an audio recording of your question or comment. And we might even play it on the show. Also. Focus up, people. Focus up. If you're an iTunes listener, we'd greatly appreciate it if you leave us a review on the show. Yes, there's some kind of an algorithm that raises our profile. If you leave us a review or give us star ratings, and that's great. But honestly, we just want to hear from you. We like hearing your feedback. We enjoy chatting with you guys. We like reading the comments on the show. So drop us a review. We'd really appreciate it. I hear uh, iTunes runs it through some sort of a guidance system. <laughs> <laughs> what level of programmer do you need it to be? Oh, you got to be a level five, five star, that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate it, folks. Again, the algorithm's cool and all, but we just like to hear from you. So drop us an iTunes review, por favor. So now it's time to get into our regular feedback segments from our special guests, our regular guests dropping stuff on the show. And I think we'll start with our usual, which is our rad team. Now, rad usually stands for Ruth and Darren and their rad adventures podcasting network. They got some great shows on there. They've got Xenozoic Xenophiles, Trekker Talk, probably one I'm forgetting. Warlord, Warlord. Thank you. 
Warlord World. Bunch of good stuff going on over there, and they take time out of their day to make us some 007 send-in clips. So let's see what our friends Ruth and Darren, or Research and Development, as we call them on this show, have to say. Hi, I'm Ruth. And I'm Darren of the Rad Adventures Network. We're with Research and Development Q Branch, and we're here to share our thoughts about The World is Not Enough from 1999. This film started production with plans to release it under the title James Bond 2000, but later producers decided not to tie the film to a specific year and instead release the movie in November 1999. The title refers back to the Bond family motto mentioned in On Her Majesty's Secret Service, and 007 himself references the motto in this film. Producer Barbara Broccoli had recently seen Peter Jackson's film Heavenly Creatures and wanted him to direct. Jackson was a huge fan of the James Bond films and was excited about the opportunity. Jackson had just finished production of The Frighteners, and Barbara Broccoli was given a private screening of that film before it was released. But she didn't like The Frighteners and decided against using him, and instead chose Michael Apted because she was a fan of his films Coal Miner's Daughters, Gorillas in the Mist, and Nell. Instead, Peter Jackson began production on the Lord of the Rings trilogy, for which he won several Academy Awards. Barbara Broccoli had also just seen the fun action-comedy movie Plunkett and McLean, and hired screenwriters Neil Purvis and Robert Wade to write the new Bond film. She was so pleased with their script that the writers have written or co-written every subsequent 007 film, including Bond 25, that is currently in production. We're fans of Plunkett and McLean, which features Robert Carlyle, who we see in this film, as well as Alan Cumming, who is in Goldeneye, and Liv Tyler, who went on to be in Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy. So there are lots of crossovers in this film. All of these wonderful individual ingredients should have resulted in an excellent 007 film, but both critics and fans have mixed feelings about this movie. The film is filled with spectacular action sequences and was very popular at the box office, becoming the highest-grossing 007 film at the time, bringing in more money than previous champ Goldeneye. The film was also nominated for Best Action Adventure Film at the Saturn Awards, and Pierce Brosnan won Best Actor at both the Empire Awards and the Blockbuster Entertainment Awards. There is also a nice big part for M in the film, with decisions she made in the past impacting current events in the film. It's a nuanced role, and Judy Dench really gets to shine in the role. And Sophie Marceau and Robert Carlyle give fans a very different pair of villains than in any previous 007 film, and their performances as Electra and Renard are terrific. So there are lots of things to love about the movie. However, critics and fans did not like the character of Christmas Jones or the performance by Denise Richards, who was named Worst Supporting Actress at the Golden Raspberry Awards. That seems to be the common thing that many fans say spoils the film, but I'm not sure it's fair to judge the whole movie on one character when there are so many good things in this movie. And in a bit of personal trivia, the theme song was performed by the band Garbage, which features Scottish singer Shirley Manson. We were lucky to see them in concert a few years ago on a double bill with Blondie, who you might remember recorded an unused theme for the 007 film For Your Eyes Only. And now it's time for 007 Hits and Misses, when we share our thoughts on two low points and seven high points in the film. I think my low might be the plot point of Renard being unable to feel pain. That idea was originally planned for the character of Stamper in the previous film, Tomorrow Never Dies, and it would have fit better for that character in that film. However, it seems to be an unnecessary plot device in this film that has no real relevance to the story. And my low point has to be the final scene when Elm, R, and Moneypenny are trying to find Bond using a surveillance satellite. It's a weak scene with a weak joke that's more cringeworthy than funny, and I just wish the closing credits had started one minute earlier. While some fans and critics have mixed feelings about this movie, we really like it. 
It has great action scenes, interesting villains, and Pierce Brosnan is charming as always. So, let's move on to the many high points in the movie. Number 7. The wonderful scene between Q and Bond when Q introduces John Cleese as R, who is being trained as his replacement. This was not planned as Q's final film, but rather just a chance to introduce the idea of his retirement. Sadly, however, actor Desmond Llewellyn was killed in a car accident only a month after the release of the movie. Q and Bond exchanged their normal witty insults in the scene, and I love the way Bond's expression changes just at the thought of Q retiring, showing you how much he really cares for him. Though it wasn't planned as a goodbye, Pierce Brosnan and Desmond Llewellyn create a truly emotional farewell for our favorite quartermaster. Number 6. Robbie Coltrane's return as former KGB agent turned businessman Valentin Zakowski. He's a great actor, and it's a fun role, and it's sad to see his end in this film, but he pulls off a great trick shot with a wink of his eye to save 007 in a terrific scene. Number 5. The stunt team came up with some new ideas for the snowy mountain ski chase with Bond and Electra in the mountains above the pipeline with snowmobiles and paragliders. It's a fun, action-packed sequence. Number 4. The exciting sequence of the missile silo with Bond swinging, leaping, and jumping to try to prevent Renard from escaping with the nuclear warheads. The sequence feels like a roller coaster ride. Number 3. The fast-paced ride on the inspection rig inside the pipeline and Bond's quick ability to figure out the situation and use it to his advantage to make Elector and Renard think he's dead. The scene calls back to a similar scene in Diamonds Are Forever with Sean Connery escaping from a welding rig in a pipeline. Number 2. The scene with a helicopter mounted with aerial saws that is used to attack our heroes at Zakovsky's caviar warehouse. It's an elaborate sequence, and the action is excellent. And, of course, every Bond fan knew that helicopter would return after seeing it being used to trim trees early in the film. And number one can only be the spectacular boat chase on the River Thames near the beginning of the film. The sequence incorporates some spectacular scenery, including the real MI6 headquarters and Parliament, and ends with an explosive hot air balloon stunt at the Millennium Dome, which was still under construction at the time. The sequence took weeks of planning and lots of painstaking negotiations to get the proper permits. Filming took several weeks, and Pierce Brosnan did most of the boat stunts himself, with stuntman Gary Powell creating that unbelievable 360-degree barrel roll. In a bit of trivia, the opening theme was originally supposed to play after the scene with 007 escaping via zipline with the money recovered from the Swiss bank, and this boat chase was planned for shortly after the opening credits. However, when producers saw this sequence, they chose to push the opening theme back to give fans one of the longest and most spectacular opening scenes in Bond film history. Thanks to our friends Jared, Jason, Delvin, and Pat for letting us share our thoughts. Remember, we're RAD, R-A-D, which is short for Ruth and Darren. And research and development. Well, it's obvious Ruth and Darren have a lot of love for the Pierce Brosnan era. Mm-hmm. Yep. They clearly liked the mountain scene better than our two senior agents did. I didn't mind the mountain scene, but um, Ruth and Darren seemed to have some affection for it. Yeah, some of the mountain scene stuff was just weird to me. Like the way he sort of coaxed one paraglider into hitting the other paraglider. I'm like, what are the odds on that? But eh, this is a guy that ran a motorcycle off of a taxiway and caught a falling plane. So, you know, who am I to complain? And then it was really weird, too, at the end, how. After he does that little ski jump and he slices the parachute and then somehow the engine starts conking out. Like, I don't know what the parachute has to be. <laughs> the engine. But as the thing's crashing, he's just kind of standing there like taking off his gloves, you know, being all calm. And he's like, he's forgotten there's a 
paraglider about to land on him. Uh, I don't know. It just, it looked weird. On this episode, Jared and Jason take down everything that Ruth and Darren have to say. <laughs> well, yeah. And I mean, I, I like the boat scene again. Yeah. But again, there's no cause for that woman in the boat to be there. I agree, Van. Alan. <laughs> <laughs> now, I will say, I really enjoyed the scene. I like the caviar scene fight. I thought that was really cool how he was using just his skills running around, like when he whips open that trap door and takes out that guy's knees. Yes, that was good. And then like flanks those guys and jumps down on them from that little ledge from above and starts mm-hmm. busting caps. I thought that was really cool. Busting caps. Mm-hmm. Give the man a cigar. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, there's there's some things I thought worked really well. And I love the fight scenes in the submarine, too. I thought those scenes were pretty intense. There, yeah, there's like, a lot I did like. Like they said, it's kind of a mixed bag movie. I'm glad they like it better than most. I like people who are who step out in, in bold fandom. And, you know, when everybody else says, eh, it's kind of a mixed movie, they're like, ah, oh, we like it. You know, I like that. I like that. It's inspiring. I liked it, too. So I definitely uh, agree with them. I will agree with the take that one bad actor did not ruin this movie, but one bad actor can ruin a movie. It didn't ruin this one, but it could ruin a movie. I'll make that point. And Mm. I'll make an argument that the one actor does bring it down. I think I would maybe give this a six if it had cast somebody a little more capable in the role of Christmas Jones. And while we're on that point, too, it's easy to bag on her, but the writers didn't help her. That's true. You know, so, I mean, she wasn't great. And we've been really negative about her tonight. But let's just remember the writers didn't help her by giving her lines that suited her. And I honestly don't know much about Denise Richards. I can't really think of seeing anything that she's been in other than this film. I've seen Wild Things. Played it, rewind it, play it, rewind it, (laughs) play it, rewind it. Yeah, but you can mute that and watch <laughs> We're bad people. We yeah. should probably move on. <laughs> probably. Hey, Pat. Yes. Would you like to hear from Agent Z or the Rusty Agents or our Canadian friends next? Hmm. Let's go with Z. Agent Z? Yeah. I haven't listened to this yet, so this will be an adventure for all of us. Hello, Rookie Agents. This is Don Zuiderman calling in from the Netherlands for your episode on The World Is Not Enough. And this time, I want to talk about Desmond Llewellyn's Q. I suppose we all have to pay the piper sometime, right, Q? Oh, pipe down, 007. Is it something I said? No, something you destroyed my fishing boat from my retirement away from you. Desmond Llewellyn took over the part from Peter Burton, who played the armorer Major Boothroyd in Dr. No, but who was unavailable when they filmed From Russia With Love. Now, incidentally, Major Boothroyd was a real character that contacted Fleming. Geoffrey Boothroyd was a British firearms expert and author of several standard reference works on firearms. And he found a Beretta really quite inappropriate for Bond, and he advised Fleming on what he should equip Bond with. And in the next novel, Dr. No, Fleming has Bond handling his Beretta and exchange it for a Walther PPK. And this was copied in the film. Give me a gun. Yes, I thought so. This damn Beretta again. I've told you about this before. You tell him. For the last time. It's nice and light. In a lady's handbag. Now, it was director Guy Hamilton for Goldfinger who defined the Q character. 
He insisted Q was a serious character who didn't like Bond's flippancy and his disrespect for Q's gadgets. I never joke about my work, 007. Desmond would play Q in an amazing 17 films, starting with From Russia With Love and ending in The World Is Not Enough. And he only missed Live and Let Die, where he was sorely missed. Desmond was the only actor to have worked alongside five of the James Bond actors, and his on-screen time is only a little more than 30 minutes in total, but he is known throughout the entire world for his role. In real life, he has always maintained that he was totally lost in the world of technology, and sadly Desmond died on the 19th of December 1999, only three weeks after the premiere of The World Is Not Enough. He was driving home alone from a book signing event of his biography when he had a head-on collision and he died in the hospital at the age of 85. Now pay attention 007. I've always tried to teach you two things. First, never let them see you bleed. And the second? Always have an escape plan. There have been amazing gadgets in the Bond films, and my personal favorites include the famous suitcase in From Russia With Love, the rebreather in Thunderball, and the keychain from The Living Daylights, and the exploding pen in Goldeneye. And there have also been plenty of silly gadgets, such as radioactive lint in On a Majesty's Secret Service, the third nipple in The Man with the Golden Gun, and the spy dog camera robot thing in A View to a Kill. So my question to you is, what are your favorite cue scenes? What are your favorite gadgets? And what do you think are the most silly ones? All right, gentlemen, until next time. This is Don Zuiderman, signing out. All right, we're going to rapid fire this. Favorite cue scene. Jason, go. Uh, License to Kill, where he's actually helping Bond in the film, and he's raking, has that little radio, and just tossing it. <laughs> oh, that, that was mine. That Same was here. Mine. We're three, Same. Uh, three in a row. Delvin? You know what? Let's make it four for four. That's a good one. That's License to Kill. License to Kill, baby. Champion. Jason, favorite gadget? I'm going to go with the briefcase from Russia with Love. I think that one really hits home with me. Delvin. Let's go with Little Nelly. Oh, good, good. <laughs> Bad gadget. Jetpack. Jetpack from Thunderball. <laughs> you know, I've always been a fan of that. I think it was a Rolex watch, Live and Let Die. It had the mm-hmm. buzz saw and it was a magnet. I always liked it. Could Number even uh, deflect a trajectory of a bullet from a... I feel like I'd like to test that right now. <laughs> All right. Goofiest gadget. Jason. Crocodile from Octopussy. Crocodile submarine. Oh, that was dope. That answer's wrong. <laughs> Elvin. <laughs> I had to laugh remembering about radioactive lint. <laughs> it's a bat. I can't think of one. Fire. I mean, there, there's probably some out there I, I'm drawing a blank right now on. I'm going to go to Thunderball where he swallows that radioactive homing device. <laughs> 
pill that lets them find him. Oh my goodness! And he had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I'm like, mm, I don't know about that. I don't know if I'd swallow that. But anyway, I'll tell you one that kind of bothers me is the car from Tomorrow Never Dies. The one thing that it had was the little saw, spinning saw blades that he used to cut through the. It's very specific. Uh, yeah, cut through that like, wire. Yeah, like how do they know like what height and everything to get it? It's just it seems very very specific and kind of impractical. I got one for you, Pat. I got a freebie for you, Pat. You can have this one. Okay. How about that gondola from Moonraker? Oh, man. I would have changed my answer, Jared. <laughs> the gondola from Moonraker that turned into a hovercraft. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah like, that was... That's insanely specific. <laughs> yeah, that one was, yeah. Well, thank you, Donnie Z. And I think one more thing we're going to do going around the room, rapid fire. I want everyone to try to pronounce Don's last name. Jason, go. Ziderman. Delvin. Ziderman. Pat. Zuderman. I'm going Zuderman. I have one more guess. Go. Czechoslovakia. Bingo. (laughs) (laughs) He and I were talking earlier on Twitter this week about how we both have hard to pronounce last names. So that's for you, Agent Z. And we really appreciate your send-ins every time, dude. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, dude. Jason, who are we going to hear? I want to hear the Bond Complex, guys. Bond Complex. Hello on Her Majesty's Secret Podcasts, MI6 Rookie Agents. This is the two-headed dragon that is the James Bond Complex. I'm one of its hosts, Edgar. And I'm the, uh, the, the other host. I, I'm the other guy. <laughs> I'm Matt. You're the other fella. <laughs> uh, and we got your tweet a couple of days ago for a mini review of The World Is Not Enough, uh, which got us excited. Oh. Although we, we've been talking about this movie a lot lately, Matt, haven't we? Yes, yes. Uh, we actually recorded an episode that, um, unfortunately... Uh, was lost due to um, um, computer problem mostly. Uh, Silver hack, Silver hacked us. Uh, either that or uh, it's it's Boris, I guess. Uh, yeah. So there was that uh, episode that's lost to time, and we also did a presentation at the Montreal Comic Con a few days. Well, uh, by the time this airs, probably a few weeks ago. Uh, and uh, yeah, we, we we talked about many Bond movies, among which uh, the World Is Out of was uh, one of them. One of the mm. yeah, 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 yeah. And well, I guess maybe we want to start with that point as well, just for a belief the presence of Denise Richards. Like, what do we think about that? Uh, honestly, I know it's a controversial casting, but the more I think of it, the more I I I don't see the point. People say that she's a terrible actress, and I find her reasonable in the role she's not a mm. thespian but it's also not a great part she does what she has to do i find her delivery of lines to be adequate and i think she's gorgeous to look at and <laughs> she was hired mostly because she was able to do her own stuff when you watch the movie she's doing a lot of stuff she's doing like yep. uh, every, like the sequence in the submarine the sequence in the bunker she's jumping around pulling on levers and Pulling cables together, she she's quite uh, fit, and I, I'm uh, I'm puzzled sometimes about uh, the reception people had uh, for this character and this actress. I think it was not uh, well, it's, it was not deserved. Uh, she got she got the Razzie nomination. I think she won for the for, for the that for that year, but it's completely undeserved. Yeah, and it, actually, and I think you were over Facebook, you I and our maybe even our third panelist, you were saying like it's even more insulting 
how people criticize that character because the criticism is well, apart from she's not a good actress, which I also disagree with. But one of the other criticisms is, oh, but she's so beautiful. Like, how can she be a nuclear physicist? Like, is <laughs> that's like that's like the most sexist thing you can say. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the people complain about the sexism in Bond movie, but she she is a sidekick in that movie. She's a, she, she's Robin to James Bond's Batman. She's just she's running next to him. She's I mean, she's game for everything that he pulls. He, he gets her in like, so much trouble, but she's game. She's she, she's a fun mm. actor to be. A, to be honest, I, great, uh, great. Oh, I, I completely agree. And, and she, she, she. Uh, there's a great pre-title sequence, you know, on the River Thames. Uh, that's a great, great sequence. As one of the iconic, I think, pre-title sequences of the series, and one of the longest ones too. Yeah, I, honestly, I, each, I, I when I first saw it, I never noticed, but it's only like after the fact that I learned that it was meant, like the 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 pouches was meant to be after the opening credit titles. And you, there's a weird dissolve after uh, Bond walks from the bridge, and you can see mm. where the the title sequence was supposed to go. And a part, I I, I kind of wish they they actually put it there but you know uh, the uh, jumping off the uh, the Belbao bank was not deemed uh, worthy enough uh, uh, opening stunt for a Bond movie but uh, you know what I, I some some of these are some sometimes not gigantic stunts there especially in the early Connery era I'm thinking of the from Russia with love there's nothing super uh, exciting about that sequence. Uh, there's no helicopter explosion. There's no uh, ski jump. It's just a guy playing James Bond being unmasked after being killed by Garot. Yeah, yeah, it would have been a little bit tame, I guess, without the boat chase. Uh, this movie also features one of my favorite villains, and I'm actually not being—I'm not referring to Renard. I'm actually referring to spoilers. Uh, Electric King. I absolutely adore what they do with that character. I love the surprise. I, I love her, and um, you know she she I love the fact because I first saw that movie dubbed it in French, and she she redid her voice for uh, the, uh, the 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 French version. And uh, our friend uh, from the uh, club James Bond France, uh, Jean Viet, uh, he, he, he met her in person. He says that she's even more beautiful today than she was twenty years ago, and I tend to believe him. Oof. Oh yeah, she's like a fine wine. She's she's Nicole. She's like the French Nicole Kidman, just a fine fine wine. Gets better with age. That's actually and, a good description, I think. <laughs> and I know I'm gonna come. Cl- I think I think this might be my favorite Brosnan performance. I think he's doing his best work in this one. I think the the um, the difficult position Bond is in while he's trying to protect Electra King before finding out that she's a villain. And the, the, the tug of war, the emotional tug of war that he's experiencing, I think it's great work. Yeah, the pain face at the end is a little weird. I uh, love but... me some Brosnan. <laughs> I, you won't, I won't complain about that. I love it. It's overacting, but I, it's it's part of his characterization of James Bond. He has pain face, and it's... <clears throat> <laughs> it's not even only the pain, the pain face; it's the pain noises. And to me, like there, what it's great. It's part of his. It's mm. the one thing that he added to the character that none of the other actors can do. It's like a, a Roger Moore's eyebrow uh, eyebrow thing. It's 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 great. <laughs> 
So, I mean, I, I think this is a mini review. We can't go on too long here. So I'm a big fan of this one. I've always liked it. And I've always been quick to defend it in front of the naysayers. So thumbs up from me and I think from you as well, Matt. Yeah, of course. Awesome. So, again, once again, thanks so much to MI6 Rookie Agents, the uh, spinoff, if you will, of Honor Majesty's <laughs> Secret Podcast. Uh, I've been Edgar. If there are any fans out there you know, that want to listen to us, we're available on a few platforms, iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, uh, Facebook, Twitter. We have uh, – wait, 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 Matt, 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 Matt. Uh, do we have people everywhere? We have people everywhere. Oh, that was a good one. <laughs> That was a good one. All right. Thanks again, guys. I've been Edgar, and you have been – who are you again? Uh, uh, Matt. I believe I'm Matt. I'm the other fellow. Coolio. All right, guys. Peace out. Ciao. Okay. So an interesting take on Denise Richards in that. And um, you know what? Is she again, Canadian? Yeah, she I, think she, Canadian. I think she's Canadian. Yeah, must okay. Be. <laughs> no, I tell you what. They kind of like with Ruth and Darren's enthusiasm for things, that can be infectious. And so while – you know, I'm not a big Denise Richards fan in this film. I appreciate their perspective. I appreciate them taking a stand for something they like. So, you know, I'm not going to fight them on it. I'm going to make one quick point. No issue with having a beautiful nuclear physicist. What I had an issue is, was the amount of makeup that she's wearing in the middle of the desert. And I mean, it just does not look believable. I mean, any of us, and I think several of us here spent some time in the desert. You don't wear makeup in the middle of the desert. You I just, know I didn't. You just I, I didn't either. That confirmed. <laughs> so uh, maybe a little rude. Yeah. You know, I, you know, <laughs> I, I didn't put my makeup on until I got back to the states, baby. <laughs> but no, I track what you're saying. I hate to disagree. She's just a bad actor. Oh, Jason's gonna start a war between us and Canada. Rookies, anything to say as I queue up our next audio file? I'm all for different takes. I can say that much. So I respect them for having theirs. I did not enjoy Denise Richards in this movie. I just didn't. Next up, we got an audio sent in from Matt Robinheimer. Let's see what he has to say on this fine film, The World Is Not Enough. Hello, Rookie Agents. It's Matt Robinheimer back again with some brief thoughts on The World Is Not Enough. I think this movie had a lot of potential and really could have turned out to be a classic Bond movie. But in the end, I think it was actually a bit of a missed opportunity. They came up with some really interesting characters, and none more so than Electra King. Essentially a female villain, one who has a bit of a past relationship with M, and somebody who Bond seems to have real feelings for throughout the film. The film also gives Pierce Brosnan the opportunity to show a bit of Bond's tougher, harder side, and also a bit of a more vulnerable side because he's injured so early in the film. There's also some really good action, of course, the opening boat chase is, is particularly iconic. But I think the film is let down a bit by several aspects. One of them is the dialogue. I don't think it's as strong as um, the previous films have been, especially Goldeneye, which I think had really strong dialogue. And then, of course, there's Dr. Christmas Jones, who everybody loves to make fun of. And, well, fair enough, it's not exactly the most inspired bit of casting in the history of the series. Still, despite the weaknesses, it's an entertaining film, even if it does feel a bit drawn out in places. And like Tomorrow Never Dies, it features the excellent music of David Arnold, who is a great addition to the series as composer. And I couldn't let this film pass without paying tribute to the longest-serving member of the cast, the wonderful Desmond Llewellyn, who makes his final bow as Q in this film. And he certainly goes down as one of the most beloved characters in the series. 
So The World's Not Enough is kind of a mid-ranking Bond movie for me. And unfortunately from here, things really don't get any better for Pierce Brosnan. That's it from me. I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts, and goodbye for now. So that's Matt. He obviously liked Electric King like we liked Electric King. You know what he brought up that we didn't talk about, though? What's that? The score. David Arnold put together another pretty good score. Yeah. Oh, he gave it a week, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, you're, you're not wrong, though, Pat. Maybe it was just good. It was good enough that I was like, okay. I'm... Yeah, it's not super memorable, but it's it's serviceable, yeah. and it's good. It's yeah. just not, I agree. Do you know what's memorable is that chase scene and Goldeneye at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, when he was talking about Electra and Bond and Bond having that relationship or that, you know, there was something about that Electra that he liked, it made me start thinking a little bit more. Maybe it's because she suffered a loss and he suffered a loss as well. So it kind of felt for her. You know, I ain't lose- connecting some dots tonight, man. Going deep. Deep yeah. thoughts. I don't disagree with that, though. Yeah. <laughs> Delva says, yeah. <laughs> that's mine. That's, that's my. But we always appreciate our South African uh, agent, Agent R, Matt Robenheimer. So thanks for sending that in, man. Thanks, Matt. All right, we're gonna do Jeff and Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents, and I believe they refer to themselves as the Junior Agents. We like to affectionately call them the Rusty Agents, and let's see what they got this week. Good evening, Agents. This is Rick from the Junior Mission Control Center, also known as Jeff and Rick Presents. I am providing this week's field report on the film. The world is not enough. From the junior agents stationed in the Pacific Northwest. As usual, I surprised my fellow agent, Jeff, during the recording of our regular podcast, Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, with a pop quiz in the middle of our script. His answers are not prepared. Is he sure that the wall he is riding on is not the whole of the ship? Not smart, dude. You are not showing the maturity that you are talking about having. That said, at least he is mature enough not to drop a pop quiz on this friend. Unlike me. <laughs> pop quiz, buddy. <laughs> uh, we didn't have one last time. I thought we were done. Okay. <laughs> the World is Not Enough, the 19th Bond film, and the third to star Pierce Brosnan, also features Sophie Marceau, Robert Carlyle, Robbie Coltrane, Judy Dench, and uh, Denise Richards. Oh. As a nuclear physicist. Yeah, sweet Christmas. Uh, Christmas Jones? Good job. Is that her name? Yeah. Anyway, one of the big plot elements revolves around Sophie Marceau's character, who had been kidnapped, and her father. Keeping with our theme of fathers in this issue of Power Pack, and now this Bond movie, name for me five TV shows that have a strong theme around a father and his relationship with his children. Uh, Family Ties. Okay. Uh, Eddie's the the courtship of Eddie's father. Yep. I just want to say Quantum Leap, but that is super not accurate. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also want to say Mash, but that's also super not no. accurate. There's so many shows that. Ha- oh, uh, Blacklist. Okay. Yeah, that's totally right. kind of about a father issue thing. There's so much TV. I could probably just say anything, and it would be fine. <laughs> Come on, two more. I know two more. Here, let's just say, uh, who's the boss? Yes, yeah. who's the boss? Mm-hmm. And. I should be able to pick anything out of here. I'm thinking of the one with the, uh, uh, I already said growing pains. Growing pains. Okay. No, I, okay. Then growing pains. Or, growing pains. or uh, different, strokes. I, different strokes. Different uh, strokes. Silver Spoons. Silver Spoons was on my list. Uh, I had, I had courtship. <laughs> now they're starting to come. Courtship of Eddie's father. Cosby Show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Different strokes. Game of Thrones and Silver Spoons. Ah, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones <laughs> is all about, yeah. Oh my gosh. That is, <laughs> that is nothing about family stuff. Yeah, that is, yeah. Hey, hey, wait a minute. Is this one that I got all five? 
training, and as always, we'll continue in the field until our junior agents are able to handle any situation. Thank you for accepting our reports. Until next time, junior agents signing out. He shot him anyway, man. <laughs> Cold-blooded. First of all, quantum leap is always the correct answer. I don't care what the question is. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. What about that quantum leap episode where he left home and to, to be with his, his father? father? Bam! Had him give up smoking, I believe it was, wasn't it? And so uh, his father... You might be thinking of the movie Frequency. That's... <laughs> Okay. Anyway, he went home and spent time with his father. But he did this. He did go home and spend time with his father. That's true. So we're giving you quantum leap. Here we are, face to face, a couple of silver spoons. <laughs> Delvin does know his TV themes better than most. Together, we're going to find our way. <laughs> No, no one else. Silver Spoon? No, you have an amazing knowledge of your TV show theme songs. It's amazing. Yeah, it's unparalleled. Unparalleled. Oh, you know what? I got one. What's that? BJ and the Bear, because (laughs) BJ, his father wouldn't let him have an animal growing up. So then when he got his own truck and he could drive it around, he was able to get the bear to be with him. All right. That will bring us to a close on this episode of MI6 Rookie Agents. Big goals, people. (laughs) Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this crew and want to hear more from them, but in the realm of comic books, check out the Longbox Crusade. Pat, where can they find that? Well, Jason, I'm glad you asked. On the internet at longboxcrusade.com, or you can find us on the Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Longbox Crusade. Back to you. Thanks to the fellows for taking on yet another dangerous mission, and thanks to the listeners who tuned in. If you'd like to leave us a question or a comment on this or any of our other episodes, please feel free to contact the show on Twitter at OHMSPod or email us at OHMSPod at Outlook.com, or you can contact any of us directly on Facebook or Twitter. Or well, Let's find out what our social medias are. I'm at Yard Sale Artist. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. Jason. I'm at Weasel Skull on Twitter and at Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. Pat. I am at Christatos01, and that's all on Twitter. Delvin. You can find me on Twitter at DEE underscore RAY 1977. We hope to hear from you soon. The next episode of MI6 Rookie Agents will be Brosnan's last outing in I Think I'll Die Another Day. It's not my time to go. Sigmund Freud. <laughs> spot on and remember honor majesty secret podcast will return silver i've walked way past midnight i've driven for days I've tried to forget in so many ways I've held other arms But they don't feel the same And I've only myself to blame From city to city I still see your face It falls
follows me round all over the place. I shouldn't look back, but I do just the same. And I've only myself to blame. Once when I was with Am in Tokyo, we had an interesting experience. Outtakes. Thank you, Miss Money Penny. That's all. That's all. Hey, treat that timing, yeah. <laughs> treat that timing. Yeah, you know, not much. Just tired of staring at these trees. Come <laughs> hey, on, bring me a sandwich. Treat that Tommy gets the snacky snacks. <laughs> treat that Tommy. Tommy got a rumbly in my tummy. You know, right, you right know what? I just heard you say we, and then I. You know what? You shut up, Pat. Then, then I shut up. Listening. <laughs> you know, you I were saying you, something about. Back, no, I got you back. You know, not paying attention. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I wasn't really listening. <laughs> Gave me a big John Deere letter. <laughs> I hate all you guys. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's worth a look. Let me go check the junk folder. Oh shit! <laughs> I left. Who said? Who suggested I look in the garbage? Delvin. I was Pat. But it was right. Yeah. <laughs> Tree top time I said, check out that guy. And I see that me up here. You know where I look for it? The trash. trash yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's why I don't consider it. Tree never gets some mail up here. Can't even get it. Can't even give a bird up here to pick it to get all the way up here. Tree top time needs a sandwich. I know you'd be reading all my girly magazines. Tree top time lonely. 30 miles an hour to the hangar. <laughs> no wake. <laughs> Y'all think it's funny to buzz treetop Tommy. <laughs> treetop Tommy up in his tree. <laughs> treetop Tommy. I think they forgot about me. He's <laughs> in the treetop. Y'all motherfuckers <laughs> better get down. Y'all can't park that spaceship over there. <laughs> I got something coming in. It's like in a big moon. I don't know what it is. Those goddamn Ewoks. Don't let me sleep at night. Had to cook and eat another one. Yum, yum, my It's more like yum, yum. <laughs> let me do a quick restart, y'all, just so it won't... I, I, I'll be right back. It'll take a couple minutes. All right, we'll wait here. We won't right. talk bad about you. Not at all. All right, I know it. I trust you guys. You guys are great. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, no, we can't do it now, man. Be back in a second. <laughs> Here we come. Wherever you go, whatever you do, we will be right here waiting for you. Whatever it takes, how my heart breaks. Let me guess it. Is it this one? And you are... No. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Why, thank you, Jason. As a reminder to our audience, if you'd like to be part of a show, of a show? <laughs> Any show, really. Any show. Let me try that again. That's dead. He's locked in my basement. <laughs> hey, at least there's some cold air in there. <laughs> 
Good you one. can't Good. use that bit. You have air in your room. Oh, I know. Oh, you don't want air in your room. That's what you're saying. You don't want it. Oh, oh you're, not gonna it. you're not going to. You're cut off. Cut off. <laughs> All right, Pat, the rusty agents are left. So is that the one you want to hear? Yeah, I'd like to hear some rusty agents. <laughs> So really what I could have just said was Wild Wild West, and you said, you just swept the categories. Pretty much, but you failed on that. Totally, yeah. Yet again. Wait, what are you going to do with that gun? No, 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 no! Training, as always, will continue in the field until our junior agents are able to handle any situation. Thank you for accepting our reports. Until next time, junior agents, signing out. What do you think, Pat? Father issues? Ooh, boy. <laughs> We've lost Pat for the night. He's done. <laughs> uh, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> it's late, folks. It's late. He's <laughs> father issues. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Pat, do you like Quantum Leap? Yeah. Do you like Jeff and Rick? Yes. Okay. <laughs> we got a show. <laughs> we can work with it. We can work with that. Certainly. Certainly. Jason, put a, put, a, put a fork in this man. Good program. Good to chat with you guys again. Jason, we'll be back on tomorrow. We will. At uh, 8.30 my time, 6.30 your time. Knowing you the way I do, more like 6.45. I get here as quick as I can. <laughs> you got to break some laws, man. How come, you guys, how come you guys started early? Because we can. Yeah. There's nobody going to jujitsu. There's only two of us. <laughs> oh, we get the stuff done. So sorry. Jason and I don't do the whole fitness thing. We show up early. (laughs) And it shows. And it shows. That's right. We're not fit, but you know, you know, we're We're sacrificing our health for the betterment of the podcast. You're welcome, Pat. Yeah, I I don't know. I personally don't think it fits in with the show. Okay. I also think Jason's a stupid head. So I don't mm. know. Mm. Yes. <laughs> this is why he's only allowed to work on the guy. <laughs> so, so hurtful. <laughs> oh, you mean just like maybe like a 10 minute show? Yeah. For honor majesty. Oh, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Oh, me. sure. Sure. Pat comes up with an idea to make sense. <laughs> It was piggybacking off of your idea, so take credit for it. Yeah, I'm just saying it. Pat, you've heard yourself a Sky Striker today. (laughs) (laughs) Christmas does come twice a year. (laughs) 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 Good one. Punchy Pat is my favorite Pat. Oh man, that blended GI Joe, James Bond, our show tonight. Oh, that was perfect.